Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's an audience choice film. We asked you, in the spirit of Halloween, to pick a monster movie. Yes, a movie with a monster. And you have selected Godzilla from 1998. That's right, the American Godzilla. Joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Dr. Ellen Sears. Hi, Stephen. Dr. Ellen, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I got my second COVID vax today and I don't feel Hmm. quite like I've been punched in the arm yet. It hurts a little bit, but not a lot. So I have hope that it won't be as bad as my first one where it felt like I'd run into a door frame repeatedly. Mm. That was not a fun time. So you're feeling a little under the weather, but very reassured and healthy. Yeah, more or less. Excellent. Well, <laughs> very glad to be double vaxxed, finally. Yes, mm. now, well, 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 welcome to the party, pal. Woo! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, excellent. So um, that's something we should do on the show is check everyone's vaccination status as we go. <laughs> you know, we have to bring a passport. Yes. Yeah. No, oh, it's, yeah, it's going to be vaccine passports. <laughs> vaccine passports. You're on Zoom. That's how it goes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to um, I'm glad that you're able to join us today, uh, mm. Dr. Ellen, as you um, as you convalesce. Uh, Godzilla. Yeah. 1998. Yeah. What do you know about this film? Uh, I was like 10 the year that it came out and I haven't seen it. I know, obviously, that very classic Godzilla thing. They're like, and like blasting laser beams out of their eyes and destroying cities and stuff. But Mm. I don't think I've ever seen a Godzilla property ever. Okay. So, yeah. Like, I know kind of like all those classic, like, visual elements. But Mm. that's really about it. I'm assuming there will be a giant lizard. It will try and destroy a city. Uh, Yep. Cool. Excellent. (laughs) So you're coming into this completely blind. Yeah. Excellent. Well, luckily we have someone uh, who has seen this film before and it is Simon Haynes. Hello, everyone. And yes, I am double vaccinated. Excellent. Well done. Double vax club. Yes. Glad to hear it. Um, uh, Godzilla. (laughs) 1998. In in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what's this film about? You've you've pretty much got... I've nailed it. (laughs) Well, that's what everyone wants in a Godzilla film, let's be yeah. honest. It's monster wrecking stuff in a, in a city, yes. Um, you, you probably might have a better time than most people with this because you have zero input into going into this. Going like into expectations, yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, this is not regarded as a really good film and I, I apologize <laughs> on behalf of the audience this was my pick and <laughs> yes uh, um, it, and I guess this is my penance for inflicting this upon you it absolutely is yes uh, <laughs> Simon as one of our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast got to nominate the monster film of his choice yep. uh, and then it got picked you chose Godzilla and the Bonus. public voted they, yep. we could have had Colossal yeah we could have had Cloverfield yeah I know Robert Woods was very annoyed when we told him that it <laughs> It was Godzilla that had won. Especially that it was this one specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, if but, I'm going to choose a monster movie, I'm going to choose a monster. Fabulous. Yeah, no, a monstrous monster movie. Um, just in general with Godzilla, what's your what's your connection to that property? Um, I think I saw a few of them when I was a kid. Uh, so I was really psyched to go see this. Uh, saw many back in 1997 and... There was this at the beginning of the the trailers. There was just this one trailer, and it was just this. Um, it just starts off with this like uh, exhibition and sort of 
the school kids and the teachers. Like, and this is a Tyrannosaurus, and this is the largest creature ever known to man. Nothing has ever beaten it. And all of a sudden, this just gigantic foot came and squashed it. And everyone in the audience, me and my friends, were like, yes, this is going to be a... <laughs> what the hell is that? Because we were thinking it was... I think it was Jurassic Park or something like that. Yeah. I didn't know there was a Godzilla film coming out. And it was just like, Godzilla. And we all went, yes! <laughs> coming, 1998. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> yeah. And then when it finally arrived, and was it, it worth arrived, the wait? Uh, I guess we're about to find out. <laughs> okay, then. Well, for those of you listening at home, pop on those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to find out if size does matter as we watch <laughs> Godzilla. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Godzilla, brackets, 1998, close brackets. And I'm joined once again by Simon Haynes. Good evening. And Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. Uh, Dr. (laughs) Ellen, that was your first time watching Godzilla. What did you think? It was so silly. And I had so much fun watching it. Oh, (laughs) did you? I did. Oh, good. Um, As exemplified by the fact that um, I just went out to make a cup of tea and I ran into your mother and she was like, did you enjoy that film? And I was like, yeah, I was enjoying it. She said, yeah, we could tell because all we could hear was you cackling the entire time. <laughs> and they're like two rooms away from us. Yes. One day we'll actually record the Riff Tracks version of this because you were just riffing like crazy <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> mm. So so you, you, you had a good time, Dr. Oh, Ellen. look, it's a terrible film, <laughs> yes. but it's really, really fun to watch. I am going to agree with that 100%. Yep. So oh, I, I, my God. I have seen this film, uh, but I think I saw it when it came out. Mm. I think I saw it. I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I, I wouldn't have thought I think so I saw it as like a home video release in like 99. <laughs> so and it would have been like 10 then. Yeah. And I honestly only remember Jean Renault. That is the only... <laughs> Just because it's to like, be fair, who, he's great. Who yeah. is this mysterious French man? He's very distinctive. He's great. Every time he pops, he popped up, and I was like, oh my god, this guy. Yeah, like, I um, don't even know what that actor's name is. There's a lot of but he's in a lot guy of stuff. actors in this movie. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. In like the first ten minutes, I was like, oh, I recognize that guy. Oh, I recognize that guy. Oh, I recognize that guy. I yeah. mean, like Hank Azaria, Matthew Broderick, um, <laughs> French guy whose name I've forgotten again. Genre. Immediately, thank mm. you. Um, who's been in like everything yeah yeah bloody nancy cartwright turns up for a random <laughs> like 10 second cameo and then she's in another shot just in the mm. background and i was like i love this this is great mm. so but, many random people and i think we should probably focus on this bit first it's a pretty bad film it's isn't a it? bad <laughs> film uh, simon this is your first time watching it in a while i imagine yeah pretty much since the cinema release i can't remember if i actually watched this on home video or not or may i'm just trying to blank that out of my mind but mm. i definitely saw this in the cinemas how was it coming back to godzilla 98 <sighs> one of the things as i was driving here i was thinking this might be a movie to riff on because it is pretty absurd in some parts mm. It's very conventional. Yeah. Oh, it's and it's like cliche. how many how many tropes can we stack into one thing? Yeah. I, I I honestly didn't recall how much this movie is just basically just trying to rip off Jurassic Park. Mm. Yeah. Oh my god. And especially towards the latter half of the film, and it's like what happened? What would happen if we did the kitchen scene with the Velociraptors, but with like a hundred raptors? A hundred raptors. Yes. 
And it's like, there's no suspense and there's no tension here. We're just waiting for them to smash. They're going to get through the glass. Like it was just, and the silhouettes against the, I was like... Yeah. Oh, man. And I think that is a real problem for this film. Yeah. In that it is just, it is knockoff Jurassic Park. It is very much the Panda Cola uh, to Jurassic Park's Coca-Cola. It's it's not, not only is it a pale imitation, mm. it's a pale imitation done by someone who maybe saw like a clip of Jurassic Park or, saw, yeah. or, or like went to like a drive-in cinema, but it was raining Hence why it was raining in every movie, scene yeah. in this Every film. single scene, <laughs> And yeah. the, the speakers weren't working. And, and they it, were like, it was scary when the T-Rex came out. It was raining mm. in Jurassic... We should just have the whole movie just be raining. How miserable must these actors have been oh, and the crews? Mm. Can you imagine? Oh, those poor bastards. Yeah. It did not look like they were having that much fun. Maybe yeah. except for John Reno, but I, I, I rarely see a movie where he doesn't look like he's always having some fun. Yeah. Oh, the dear. plot is... Um, <laughs> yes. Two home. hours of how far can we escalate this? <laughs> and in fairness, I think they do a very good job of escalation. Yes. But the pace the... is a bit shit at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. It, it very much it gets, gets to New York so much sooner than it should. But then mm. at the same time, boy, am I grateful we didn't get half an hour in the, the South Pacific oh, yeah. of, of them chasing around like more of the footprints. Um, Matthew Broderick is Dr. Nico Tatapoulos or... Tataratopoulos or tat- oh. tat- as the running joke being the worm guy yeah no one can say his last name because it's, it's four syllables and we're American yeah um, yeah he's a he's a just in Chernobyl happily digging up worms <laughs> studying he's studying living worms. his best worm life yeah, yeah. good when on him the US military gets him because he's an expert on biology affected by radiation hmm. which is a thing but yeah. not really the way they talk about it in this film. No. It's very much the sort of Fallout universe of like animals exposed to radiation. Oh no, they don't get cancer. They just get bigger. You know? <laughs> it's, it's... And they want to they kill everything. Yeah. And uh, basically Godzilla has attacked. And it's the fault of the French and exclusively the French yep. for doing nuclear testing in the yeah. late 40s, early 50s. I must say it was refreshing to have an American movie mm. where it was like the bad guy weren't the Russians. True. <laughs> well, this was post-Cold War, so by correct. this day... Correct, but there is... Tummy. Correct, but there are still a lot of movies getting oh, made yeah. in the 90s and the 2000s, specifically, where it's like, oh, there's a bad guy, it's an American film, the bad guys are Russians. They're always Russians. So I kind of enjoyed the fact that they were French. I was like, this is refreshing. Because this was about the time of the nuclear testing. Like, uh, I remember Australia was big because of the whole uh, Mirror Atoll was uh, Mm, the mm. big controversy in Australia. Yeah, well, I mean, you couldn't have had, like, the the British government being the bad guys Mm, because I think they were too closely allied. You certainly couldn't have had any of the other, like, powers (laughs) with nuclear weapons. If it was was the English, who would have been in the um, Jean-Philippe role? Vinnie Jones. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a little early for him in his acting career, but it's who it should be. Amazing. Oh, he would have. He would have definitely done a lock stop by this stage, and maybe possibly, yeah, maybe one of the other ones. But anyway, the point is, the French exclusively were irresponsible the, with their only nuclear testing. Ever the did bad things with nuclear energy. Yeah, the movie yeah, makes this very clear. Not the Americans. They blew up all their no, no, nuclear no. weapons in a responsible way. Yeah, you it, know, it's not like Godzilla was an allegory to the uh, misuse of Amer- of uh, nuclear material by the Americans during. No, 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 no. It's the French. That's why the show has a map of French Polynesia at the very beginning. (laughs) Um, Anyway. It's still the the South Pacific sort of kind of new. They blow up some nuclear weapons and guess who sees it? 
the iguanas. We have some very distinct shots of iguanas looking at these explosions going like, we will remember this. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Um, it and was, the iguana eggs. It was pretty wild. And so, yes, it's implied that the uh, this strictly French nuclear explosion created these um, <laughs> iguana creatures that uh, rapidly evolved into Over the first... Over 30 years yeah. turned into a giant lizard. What I want to know is... Mm. Was it just the one lizard that came out of that egg? Did it just marinate for 30 years and then just go, pow? Or like, like... Did we have yeah. a series of progressively bigger yeah, iguanas? Yeah, because that would make sense. Like, I think the movie is trying to basically say that nothing this big has ever turned up before. It's explicitly, this is the one big thing. And then because, uh, spoilers, Godzilla gives birth, you know, this is the first wave. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, look, honestly, I don't think it matters that much. I'm surprised how much we've talked about the plot so far. It's yeah. like given it's, how it's, little it's, the it's, film it's, talked it's, about. It's, it. it's very much like the whole we take the DNA from a frog and we take a DNA. It doesn't actually work scientifically, True, but just but, go with it because that's the world of the film. That's but, what we're in. But Jurassic Park made it work. Yes. Jurassic yeah. Park. I mean, partly I think arguably because the the film team were much more respectful of the source material of Michael Crichton's book mm. than the production team of this film were with although, the Godzilla franchise. Although forever bitter that they didn't kill old white guy because he got munched in the book. Like he fell <laughs> oh, down uh, a ravine, Hammond, broke his ankle. Hammond, Hammond yeah, yeah. In the in the book, he falls down a ravine, breaks his ankle and gets eaten by the tiny dinosaurs. Yeah, but we needed him for Jurassic Part 2 so he could get Jeff Goldblum back. Did we? Did we? Did we, did we, we though? <laughs> did we though? Well, we'll find out when we review that film. But oh, ba- back to Godzilla. Back to what we're actually reviewing. Um... So Matthew Broderick slash Worm Guy uh, gets flown to New York because there's uh, stuff happening. Sorry, he gets flown to Hawaii and not Hawaii. It's Tahiti, but yeah. it's clearly Hawaii. Uh, I can't but, believe it's not Tahiti. Yes. I can't believe it's not Tahiti. Yeah, no. As, yeah. Soon, as soon as they had the shot, I'm like, oh, that's Hawaii. That's Hawaii. And then they go to Panama, which, which is, is also, also Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> like, very clearly, uh, And he's it's testing Hawaii. all these things. And then around this time, bloody Joe down the pier disturbs the, the Godzilla. Poor Joe. He fishing just wanted off the pier. to... He just wanted to go fishing in torrential rain. Yeah, guy's the best character. That said, they never actually showed Joe getting killed. I think Joe escaped with his little shuffle run away from the exploding pier. I hope he did. I like Joe. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this film did very well, I think. (laughs) Is like, even though it was like, oh, this is a cliche. Like, it was like enjoyable waiting for the cliche to happen. So like, I was like, no, (gasps) like not Joe. Like, I felt genuinely bad for him. And then the same thing as well. Like, you know, when Godzilla, spoiler, dies at the end I mean, you're like oh it was the it bus- was beauty that killed the beast you know what i mean like mm. you you meant to feel bad for the monster at the end of it yeah. and i did i was like it just was the um, bust of the dog shot from uh independence day mm. yeah essentially yeah. that's that's again roland emmerich tends to rely on a lot of tropes especially ones he's used plenty of times mm. well it's safe yeah yeah it's safe and yeah. so yeah godzilla uh attacks new york uh it's it's attracted to the fish uh, somehow it gets into the subway. Somehow, it, of course, it and, does. But somehow, it smelt fish above all the other smells of New yes. York. Which, yeah, anybody who's been to New York, you will know. New York that has is a smelly place. Many distinct smells. Yes, all of them strong. <laughs> and fish is not like in the top ten. Unless you're like right in the docks, I guess. But uh, not yeah. that we ever spent a lot of time. True. Well, there's a there. scene where um they set the trap for Godzilla by importing the lot of big fish into mm. the smear. And Nick goes like, oh, yeah, we need to open the sewer grate so he... It can smell. It can smell. But then they're going, there's steam coming out of it. So part of my brain is going, there's water pressure. That means there's things... How is the smell traveling down? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, the physics in that doesn't really work very well. 
No. Yeah. Uh, mm. But you know, there's a lot of this film that doesn't work. So, but yeah, like yeah. the smog, the smoke coming out of things. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what that city's like. The convenient blanket of smog all over the city. Yeah, mm. I mean, New York is like that though. It can be like oh, that. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. so it's hella smoggy and it's dirty and it stinks. Mm. But Ellen and is I'm, also a fan. I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> despite all of that. Mm. And if there weren't a massive pandemic going on, I would gladly go back. Mm. I've never right been now. to New York. I've been to America, but I've never been to New York. It's a weird place. Yeah. It's a weird place. I like it, but it's weird. I wouldn't I w- live there. I weirdly feel like this film captures the, the experience of Manhattan very closely. Very, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm getting like a bit, oh, yeah, because I've been I'm there a couple of times. Here. No, because I've been there a couple of times, always in winter though. Um, so not really a lot of rain and that kind of thing, but very, very, very cold. But yeah, just like like the claustrophobicness of it, because Manhattan Island is quite small, but there's so mm. much crammed in there. I was saying this as we were watching it. There's just so much stuff and people crammed in there, mm. and you know the buildings are so iconic as well. So like you know when you see um, the that little triangle shaped brownstone yeah. that's really oh, famous, that yeah. corner one getting Beauty. wrecked. I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. when they smash the Chrysler building, you're like, oh man. Even just the fact that like this was made. In what was it, 97, 98? It was released 98. Released 98. So this would have been filmed in like 97. So like three or four years later, like, you know, the two towers. The twin towers. The, the, yeah. The two towers is the it's Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah, yeah. But like they got, they got, they got smushed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm. like, but they're such a part of that iconic, like. Oh yeah. The landscape skyline. shots include the two towers. Twin sorry, towers. Twin towers. The twin towers. Yeah. So many times in this movie. And yeah, it's, it's weird because it's yeah it's very odd in the alternate history of our universe that wouldn't be such a big thing but now because we've got this yeah there's this cultural baggage that goes with it yeah but yeah it was really yeah and also because like that's one of the first really big historical events of like my kind of like young adolescence young adulthood sort of thing Mm. so that's that was like a big defining cultural and historical shift so then to go back and watch films like this i'm always like oh yeah god damn Mm. Uh, while Godzilla's running around, uh, there's, a, there's a love story in this film. Uh, Everybody in this film is so horny. Can we yeah. please talk about the unreasonable levels of horn dog happening in this film? <laughs> I don't know if that's can. meant to be an allegory for like the asexual lizard. No, I no. don't think it is. I think it's literally just... It's, is, is it to make up for the asexual lizard? Possibly. Who's not getting lizard Is yeah. that like... <laughs> Maybe I... You know what? I and I'm sorry know. you're going to have to bleep that out. That's but okay. Like... Down to spawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's just because these characters are meant to be like very quickly identifiable. Oh yeah. Um, one of the things you can do, which is Archetypes. just like stake raising, yes. is mm. to is to play with with romance. And of course, we need a lead female to go with our lead male, mm. uh, and that's why we have the character of Audrey. Um, Audrey Who's Timmons, an idiot. Yes, played by Maria Pitillo. She's just a, a lip biting. She's she's so close to being like a proper like nineties bimbo. Yeah, with a heart of gold, but she's just a bit shit. One thing I like, noticed, I just don't really like her. Yeah, one thing I noticed <laughs> almost immediately. I'm going, wow, they really kept putting her in red. Mm. And sense and the red, red bracket, and umbrella. Red umbrella yeah, closing. it was almost like Roland Emmerich watched Schindler's List and got the wrong idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other day going, she's kind of so, I hate to say, a bit unremarkable to the point where it's like, some other they had to kind of just go, you have to focus on this person, else mm. your brain is going to start slipping away. Mm. And, and I, she, I, I feel... mean, at least they didn't make her clumsy. Oh my God. No, yeah. yeah. She's I, actually they, fairly we're making, them, we're making them clumsy instead mm. of 
Like, yeah. yeah. No, in fairness, I think... She's not um, a Mary Sue. Matthew Broderick was probably the more clumsy one. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I, that was, but that's just him. And he's yeah. great, and I love that. He's got that kind of slightly bumbly quality to him, yeah. which makes now, him charming to watch. Ellen, as a first-time watcher of this yeah. film, like, what, what did you think of the acting with, with the character of Audrey? What, what did was, you think of... Uh... I mean, you heard some of my commentaries. We were going, she spent three quarters of the movie biting her lip and a few, like, just really awkward, like... I, I, I can't express what her face was doing. Mm. But, like, little, like, weird, scrunchy, twitchy facial... Express. I'm like, what are you... Like, I'm not great at acting on camera, okay? I'm a theatre actor, all right? But I was like, I think even I could have done a slightly better job of this. I don't know who was asking her to scrunch her face up, mm. like... She was like sucking on a lemon. Yeah, so could be the director. I I feel. Oh my god. I feel quite bad to be honest because um, Maria uh, Pitello, who plays Audrey, yeah, basically retired from acting because of this film. I mean, to be yeah. fair, yeah. like she 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 had a pretty decent like filmography, like not not big roles, but she was in a lot of films from the late eighties to the early nineties. Mm. This was sort of like her her big breakout role. But it broke her. She won yeah. the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Supporting Actress and was Aww. one... There were a lot of things that were criticised about this film, but she in particular was picked out as being a pretty terrible part of it. And there's no sugarcoat in this. She isn't great. No. But I also don't think that there's really a lot to do with that character. Like, no. one of the other actors that was linked with that role was Jennifer Aniston. I mm. don't know that Jennifer Aniston, who is quite a good actor, mm. could have done much to have made... This to be fair, work. she's a pile of tropes in a red coat. Yeah, you know what I mean. With she's she's got the, yeah. But Most yeah, of these characters she's, are tropes. She's just genuinely like that character is just a terrible character, and I'm like, well, by the end, obviously, like we have to up the stakes. She's gonna steal the thing, and oh no, it's gonna be like a conflict. Let's be brutally honest here. <laughs> this movie did nothing for anyone's career. This was a kind of supposed to be like Matthew Broderick's big like comeback film, like post like the eighties things were like, you know, Project X and all these movies which were he was huge in. Mm. And he kind of disappeared. And this did not help his career. He only kind of became a known name again after the producers. The producers in so he went yeah. to theatre to basically get a career. So again. did Hank Azaria. Um, Hank Azaria. <laughs> he, he was still getting heavily involved. He was basically voice acting in Simpsons same with yeah. Shearer um, Jean Reno just kept on playing the just same kept on doing stuff yeah he just kept playing the opportunity it was this, I can't remember this was before after uh, Mission Impossible so like yeah. you know, he, he was pretty much pl- I think this is a subversion of his regular tropiness he's actually being quite comedic here but mm. yeah. This was nothing anyone was going to put on their resume Let's just put that No, on. I think the only person who sort of came out of it relatively okay or at least not damaged was Roland Emmerich the director because yeah. after this he, obviously he'd done Stargate and Independence Day before this mm-hmm. after this he did The Patriot uh, he then oh, did God. The Day After Tomorrow and yeah. 2012 yeah he, he's destroyed New York a lot of times does he have beef with New York does he have like <laughs> an issue with this city is that what it is didn't he destroy the world in 2020 uh, 2012 yeah yeah he, he could have in 2020 I don't yeah. know if anyone would have noticed That's um, the, that was the sequel yeah but look it's it's yeah it, it is interesting because I I did enjoy watching this film. I really enjoyed it. It was crap because I really but, enjoyed but it. But it's it not fun. great. Like the plot is no, basically like, <laughs> and I think it's because, and I'm not a massive fan of Godzilla in terms of like, n- not that I have anything against Godzilla. I've just not engaged with much Godzilla media. Yeah. Mm. But that didn't feel like no. I thought Godzilla should. In terms of, yeah. 
This that, felt like that, Jurassic Park on yeah, crack. Yeah, it, it just felt like... <laughs> That's what it felt it like. It felt like the big dinosaur from Jurassic World done badly. Oh, the, the, the one with the Indominus ninja Rex? powers. Yeah, the one that did, the, one, the invisible one, the Do You Think He Saw Us or whatever it's oh, called. Yeah, the, yeah that one. Us, yeah. Um, it felt like, like a prototype version of that. And mm. Godzilla isn't, uh, it isn't that. No. no. Like Godzilla is more than just a dinosaur that breathes fire twice in a two-hour film. Well, even he doesn't particularly breathe fire. He just kind of they, he just breathes, and there's a fire there, and it ignites. That was their getaway of not going. <laughs> how do we explain the atomic breath? Mm. Which is like you don't need to. It's just Godzilla. It's just he just does that shit. Mm. Mm. But what what was it about Godzilla, Simon? As, as someone has a little bit more of a, an understanding of these things than me, what is it about that character that they they just didn't quite get? So one of the things with Godzilla is that, not just the allegory stuff, is that he's supposed to be this just unstoppable force. Like, he's supposed to be alien, something we don't understand. And I think... And it's... Like, Godzilla's not essentially... You're not technically supposed to defeat him. You just, you just got to survive the rampage to a mm. certain degree. And I think that's one of the things they really basically... Okay, so... Roland Emmerich loves his kind of jingoistic, you know, uh, militarization. Like, you know, we beat up you know, the unstoppable force, but we're the ones that stop it. You know, it, that's Independence Day. That's a lot yeah. of his stuff, you know. Uh, the plucky American military guy can do no wrong kind of thing. Even oh, yeah. and even though this one, yeah, they, they really kind of subvert that by going to the scientist. You still got O'Neill, the mm. military guy who helps them out at the end. And yes, I, I was like, hang on, wasn't O'Neill in Stargate? And yes. Mm. Uh, so it's just it's just such American bullshit. Mm. Mm. Part of my French, pun intended. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it, yeah, and I think that's maybe a, a, a reason why, as fun as this film is. It's it's only fun mm. because it's a bit dumb. And yep. if I was someone that really cared about the character of Godzilla, yeah. and then this was like the first big American oh. adaptation of it, the fans hate this film. Yeah, mm. I, they even hate the design. I, I actually like the design of Godzilla on this. As a, I as liked a, it, but but for me, that's not what I was expecting. Having mm. seen more Godzilla stuff, then I was expecting mm. something that was a bit more, but in a good way, man in a rubber suit. Yeah. Because that's how it was done originally. And so that design impact impacted all the subsequent versions. And this just felt too... It's like Doctor Who. I guess, yeah. Mm. It, it felt you, too... You, you want that slightly crap. Well, the thing <laughs> is, is the, the Daleks wouldn't be built the way the Daleks are now if Doctor no. Who started today. No. no. They'd be more like the Cybermen or the Borg. But the Daleks still work because that shape is ominous. Instantly because recognisable. It's recognisable and it's, it's ominous. Terrifying. And in the mm. same way... You could show me a picture of any sort of iteration of Godzilla, and I would probably be able to distinguish Godzilla from a T-Rex or another big dinosaur from something well, else. When you yeah. finally took another stab at, the Americans finally took another stab at Godzilla, which was like 2014, something mm. like that, um, they went to more of that classic shape, and they did it a bit more like a classic Japanese Godzilla film. Mm. It still... I haven't seen it, but it still didn't get as much reviews, but people liked it a lot better than this thing. Yeah. And then, essentially, it they basically went, screw it, we're going to try and do a bit 
bit better for uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. And mm. That was a fun film. It's mm. kind of like this. As long as you kind of switch your brain off half the time, you're, you're going to have a fun ride. Yeah. yeah. The problem and with this movie is they try and take it too seriously. It, it, yeah, and I think that is a big problem where you can't have your cake and eat it. You too. can't have your cake and mm. trip it up with basketballs as well. Like it, like it, it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's the thing. There was too much slapstick comedy in this. Like Hank Azaria was was the wrong choice. Yeah. As as and I I love him in this mm. and I love all of the <laughs> the Simpsons characters they have. Harry Shearer is the right choice yes. for this. Incredible. But yeah, Hank Azaria is he's kind of the wrong choice. Like having that sort of like typical New Yorker couple where it's like I'm gonna kill him, like that kind of whole thing, mm. made it. Just a bit too silly. Yeah. yeah. But then again, this was meant to be a big movie in terms of like pushing Godzilla toys as well. Yeah. And like mm. the way it was shot felt like a theme park ride. Yeah, it did. It really did. And I, I like mm. I could see another world where this film was a success and there were multiple films from this specific version of Godzilla mm. and we had theme park rides. Universal yeah, Studios. Up the wazoo. Like just, just with a, Godzilla rides. With, yeah. with Godzilla snapping at your heels the whole time. It just needs to fix the tonal imbalance because yeah, there's too many times when this movie is trying to be deadly serious and there's just, and then there's silliness and it's just like, it's Or it's just, just like a really naff line. Oh God, oh, yeah. God, yeah. So many just like, that's a lot of fish. Like, <laughs> the, the soundtrack, the score is like very kind of Jurassic Park. It's orchestral and has... And these... then the next minute it's very like... It's, it's almost like, 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 yeah. like, like, all right, you know, we have a bunch of Simpsons actors in this. Let's get some Danny Elfman feel well, up in this shit. Uh, well, it was David like... Arnold who did the soundtrack. And it's mm. I, I quite mm. like the soundtrack. The, the soundtrack's good. But there were points where it did feel like I was about to a watch... Children's Theatre show. I was, I was waiting for Wiley e. Coyote to be with <laughs> yeah, the right? army. Just there's like, like there's like a silliness to yeah. it in some points, like a little like tinkle plonk, like and you're yeah. like, oh, oh this is God. funny. This is reading is funny. Yeah. You're right. But, it's but, the tone but, but of that's it. not it's the way not this right. film set itself up to be. I mean, yeah. no. As you said with the, that that trailer in '96 with the Tyrannosaurus getting crushed yeah. by the foot of the thing, it's setting it up as like this thing's going to be bigger and better than Jurassic Park, and yeah. it's just it's not. not. It's, it's just not. It's just a. It's just. A, it's just an overblown, shitty version. And I know it's. It's really hard to compare films with big lizardy creatures in when you've got Jurassic Park around. Mm. But but I feel like it's appropriate in this case because this film marketed itself so much as being like this is the thing that's going to be even better than Jurassic Park because guess not. what it's Godzilla. Yeah. But but it's not really Godzilla. Like, no, it's not. And like, and I have to say, I felt so awful that all those babies got killed. Yeah. Like, I really... Like, I, I, I sort of knew it was coming. Yeah, well, of course it's coming. You but can't like, leave them and like, And, like, yeah, those babies were, like, you know, they were trying to eat Matthew Broderick, and I, I would rather they didn't. But <sighs> at the same time, they're, they're babies that are there, like, trying to eat their fish. They're just there. And then they get blown up, and Godzilla emerges and sees them all dead. And I'm like, no, I'm with you, you asexual iguana. Like, kill them all. <laughs> kill uh, them all. I have the opposite reaction. Oh, yeah? Because... We were talking off uh, off mic about uh, mm-hmm. my problem with some of the Daleks been going on with modern modern Doctor Who. Yeah. When there's one Dalek, there's a lot of pressure, and it's always that tension is ramped up because it is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. The entire context of the Daleks is that these are unstoppable killing machines, and mm-hmm. one machine can wipe out a planet. That's mm-hmm. the terror of the Daleks. When you've got swarms of Daleks the terror disappears because it's almost too comical. Like, mm. you, you kind of go in like, like, yeah, the overkill. doctor's just gonna 
save it before because they're not just going to blow up the entire planet mm. but when there's a one dark around it's murdering like crazy so it's it scales really good one giant godzilla running around manhattan it's kind of a bit absurd it's fine then you got these like this concept of like 200 little baby godzillas and mm. you know they're going to be growing up to be the big godzilla in i don't know a few hours and all this stuff they really heavily imply this it's like it's just a bit too many. It is, but I still... like. I, I believe that little ecosystem they developed. Oh, yeah. And I was kind of on board with them, because maybe because the humans give me nothing. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that, but it's just that thing... It was just a little bit too much. I think I have felt that the first time I watched it. If it made yeah. me mean like a dozen... I think it dozen, rammed too much. Yeah. If it mean like a dozen when they're talking about it, like a couple of dozen, but then we're like, we're counting 200. It's just like... And like, I, I know it would have been copying Jurassic Park, but yeah. if they've been able to put all those Godzillas on a little island somewhere, yeah, <laughs> even though they can clearly swim and escape, so it's probably not practical. Or like, you know, I don't know. Shark nets. Yeah, really okay. big shark nets. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think we need we yeah. need a, we need two hundred Brooklyn bridges around an island. <laughs> yeah, look, okay, I, I guess yeah, it's impractical. Maybe I would have preferred the ending where it became a planet of Godzillas. Hmm. I you think know, I would have too. Like, like Planet of the Apes, you know, mm. where it's like, guess what? The humans lose. These poor babies. But mm. they were they never. They didn't do anything. They were just born. Yeah, yeah. but they were never going to do that. And no. I also think it's a real shame that they did kill Godzilla. Yeah. I feel like it would have been much more effective if Godzilla like slinked Got off away. into the water and, but like looking at them like, I'm going to get you, <laughs> and yeah, like everyone's back. just on edge for like the the potential next film where it's like Godzilla's going to come back and you murdered all Godzilla's babies and now what's it going to do? I think that's the reason why they did the uh, so spoilers. They have the egg at the end because this of was supposed to be a series of movies. Mm. Yeah. So. Oops. This would be a modern day movie. This would be after the end of the credits. Yeah, there's the end of the credits stinger. Uh, yeah, but they ended up doing a Godzilla animated series, and so that egg actually does get born. It imprints onto Nick, and it becomes more of what you would, the Americans would think of more like classic Godzilla, where the Godzilla is like a, a good force, like beating up other monsters. Because there's a lot of like Americanized Godzilla cartoons. That's mm. what a lot of people would think about that. So, I think. Some audience was there going, why isn't Godzilla the good guy? Because a lot of media portrays Godzilla as a, as a good guy. And sometimes he's like, okay, so why isn't Godzilla doing even more damage? Because that's the other thing. It's usually Godzilla versus the world, not Godzilla versus a couple of battalions of Americans. Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of, like, for the American military, there were not a lot of people. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And the same thing for, like, the French Secret Service as well. They had, like, <laughs> half a dozen guys, and yeah. that was it? And no, that made perfect sense yeah. to me. Like, that felt like... I've been playing a lot of Mass Effect lately, so that felt <sighs> like a Mass Effect mission. You fly in, you take in Garrison Tarly, and you try and <laughs> you try and save the day uh, that way. Mm. And you know what? I really want to make a Jean Renault French Commander Shepard now. I'm, I'm more of the Aratali, but... Yeah, no, that's fair. Look, it depends on the mission. <laughs> it, it honestly depends on the mission. Mm. Um... <laughs> Ultimately, Alan, you, you did enjoy this film. I enjoyed this film. It's terrible, but like it was fun. It's <laughs> yeah. the kind of thing you've got to watch with your brain switched off. And the, you know what this reminds me of? There's, 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 there, there's certain things like when you're sitting there and you've got like character archetypes that are just like punching you in the face. You're like, I am this character <laughs> archetype. And you're like, this is terrible. But like, okay, that's what we're going with. Um, and you know, there's certain like plot points and beats that you're like, oh, 
oh, clearly they're going to do this next. But when it happened, I wasn't like, oh, Jesus Christ. Of course they did that. I was like, oh, there it is. So there's a certain pleasure to be derived from having your, um, I guess, predictions Mm. confirmed mm. when you're watching something and that's and that's what is enjoyable about a movie like this that's very conventional that is very like just a string of tropes put together it's very familiar stereotypes and archetypes and tropes they're all just kind of smushed together in a blender and they just rolled it out on the floor and went yep that that looks like a movie so there there is an enjoyment to be had in that and yeah i enjoyed getting to put the little pieces together i'm like oh this is going to happen next because i've seen this in 20 other films since Hmm. Yep, there it is. Okay, I can recognize the thing. Excellent. That's, well, that's that's more or less it. <laughs> would you guys like some trivia about Godzilla? I'd love some trivia about Please. Godzilla. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, the first bit of trivia: this movie features more Simpsons voice actors than any other <laughs> non-Simpsons project. It's impressive. How many? Uh, as we mentioned, yeah, Hank, three. Hank Azaria, Harry Shearer, and Nancy Cartwright. When The Simpsons later did a Godzilla parody called Homerzilla, they referenced that Homerzilla received a Hollywood remake that failed. A jab <laughs> at this movie. The episode ends stating that Homerzilla will one day return just as soon as that Zilla film is forgotten. Amazing. <laughs> of course they did. I follow Nancy Cartwright on TikTok and she's delightful. Mm. <laughs> she's so fun. Yeah. Fruit of the Loom lost their license to sell any Godzilla-related apparel when they leaked images of Godzilla on the internet in November 97. <gasps> that Produ- would have been big bickies then, mm, too. Yeah. Ooh. Producer Dean Devlin claimed that the images were unique fakes to keep Godzilla's appearance a secret. However, the actual design was eventually revealed and proved to be essentially the same as the fake leaks that he claimed. <laughs> so they were trying to do damage control to be like, it was a f- fake photoshopped. Yeah. Yes. Fakey, fake, fake, but it was the real thing. Yeah. yeah, this was like early internet. So I Yeah, very um, early. Yeah. The internet wasn't like the marketing tool it is now. No. So, but like sites like Annette Cool News and stuff like that were trying to grab the exclusives. Yeah, right? of course. So my friends do Batman and Robin by minutes and mm. I, I was on there and like going, yeah this was just a different time for that type of thing like when things were first revealed it was like wow yeah but now it's just like oh yeah it's just the next it's like oh out. yeah there's clickbait everywhere you know mm. yeah uh, Steven Spielberg tried to talk Emmerich out of making this film, <laughs> considering it a silly idea for Hollywood to try and remake Godzilla. Mm. Spielberg later told Entertainment that Weekly that he didn't bother to see this film, stating, quote, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's some shade, <laughs> yeah. Spielberg. It's Damn. not often you hear Spielberg, like, going off. What a piece but, of shit. I love he, him. But he said this, quote, the only Godzilla I saw was the one with Raymond Burr. I purposefully stayed away from seeing TriStar's Godzilla because I didn't want to get anything between me and my memory of my favourite Godzilla movie of all oh, time. End that's, quote. that's very funny. Which is funny because the Raymond Burr was essentially a cut-together remake. Uh, they just inserted Raymond Burr into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Despite the less-than-expected box office performance, this movie still made more money worldwide than any other American movie based on a foreign film. It was a record that it held until 2014 when Godzilla came out again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the 2014 Godzilla was what uh, bested this film in the end. Yeah. How do you beat Godzilla? With a better Godzilla. Apparently. <laughs> Goddamn. 
Roland Emmerich admitted that he did not like the original Godzilla and only agreed oh, to the project after being promised to be able to do whatever he wanted with the series. What is it with people taking on projects of stuff that they don't like? I was reading yeah. something recently about somebody who did that. Who was it? I can't remember. I think it was it was a similar sort of thing where... No, you know what it was? It was the bloody Marvel Cinematic Universe with the guys who finished off like the last lot of like that final the Russo brothers yeah mm. like uh, yeah there was a bunch of stuff when they, and they were just like you know like we hate this character so we're going to give them a shit ending because we hate them and we hate this character so we're going to do this to them because blah 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 and whoever was writing the article was like well no wonder like no wonder these movies were so pants they, they hate the property that they're working with why would you do this when there are so many people out there who freaking love these mm. who would have done something amazing with it and not turn it into a steaming pile of garbage. Yeah, it, it's all the more oh. of a shame because um, the f- director that was on this project before Emmerich was uh, Jan de Bont, who was a fan of Godzilla. Oh. Um, he left this project and ended up making Twister instead. Twister's a great film. Mm. Um, looking back on the film, TriStar producer Robert N. Fried described how, quote, the team that took over Godzilla was one of the worst cases of executive incompetence I've observed in my 20 year <laughs> career. One of the golden assets of our time was managed as poorly and ineptly as anybody can manage an asset, end quote. Wow. Now, Robert Fried, it should be said, was at TriStar when they were trying to get it off the ground and then yeah. left before Emmerich came in. So oh. he was against Emmerich's appointment, but wow. he'd, he'd left TriStar by that point. Man, this this film just should not have been made. It's funny because <laughs> Dean Devlin, when he produces TV, like he's done like Leverage and The Librarians, which mm. I think are phenomenally good series. I've heard but very good things about both. Yeah. Um, very good things about both. He's also hired really good writers. That could and be. showrunners, so. Could be part of it. Maybe he yeah. learned here. Um, Toho Studios, who uh, control... Godzilla uh, as an intellectual property Mm -hmm. gave the American creators a 75 page dossier of what they can and cannot do with the Godzilla character. Oh, that's delightful. This included the following rules. Godzilla cannot eat people. Only fish. He has to have three rows of dorsal plates, no more or less than three toes on his feet and four fingers on his hands. He cannot be made to look silly. He cannot die in the movie. Almost almost all of these points were disregarded in this film. (laughs) According to Patrick... Typical Americans. According yep. to Patrick Tatapoulos, for whom Nick Tatapoulos was named after. Tatapoulos. Yes. Sorry, I'm, I'm just having fun doing what they did. The other worm guy. Yeah. According to Patrick Ratatouille, um, <laughs> the only specific instructions Emmerich gave him was that Godzilla should be able to run incredibly fast and that it shouldn't resemble a dinosaur too closely. Other than that, just go have fun. Just go have fun. Mm. Do whatever you like with it. It's going to have some fish. Yeah. In a television interview, Matthew Broderick said that the entire cast were given wetsuits to wear under their costumes while filming in Hawaii. Uh, He was upset because his wetsuit zipped up at the back, which made it difficult to put on every day. During a break in filming, he was talking to co-star Hank Azaria, who had his shirt off, revealing a wetsuit that zipped up from the front. Broderick remarked, oh, your wetsuit zips up from the front. Puzzled, Azari replied, they all zip up from the front, Matthew. He's been wearing it back to the front. Broderick had been wearing his wetsuit backwards every day. <laughs> he was the perfect person to play this character. That's so funny. Bless him. Oh, what an idiot. It, Inspector Gadget starts Broderick. to make more sense now. Mm. 
The film's first teaser trailer began appearing in theatres a full year before the film was released. The trailer contained a shot of Godzilla's foot coming through the roof and crushing the T-Rex skeleton. As Simon said, this scene was cut from... Sue the T-Rex? No, yeah, through the... uh, Just just a T-Rex. I don't know it was specifically Sue. was it Sue? They didn't specify. I love Sue. This scene was cut from the movie. It it cost $600,000 to Mm. make. (laughs) Yeah. Why did they cut it out of the film? I don't know. I guess they were like, well... They're like, we've already already seen this in the trailer. We can't put it in the actual thing. You'd be surprised. That sometimes happens. Yeah. Rogue One. Yeah. Mm. Three quarters of that trailer didn't end up in the film. It was like, where did this shot go? Where did all this stuff go? Why is none of this in the film? I don't know what's happening. That's the modern Hollywood thing of reshooting after the trailer's been done. That's a very Mm. thing. Oh my God. Yeah, no, that was bizarre. The movie's intended look was not revealed to the public until the Blu-ray release in 2009. (laughs) All previous versions contained a serious technical issue, which led to the computer-generated graphics appearing subpar. Dean Devlin explained that this was the result of the type of film they had wanted to print the movie on being inaccessible at the time of release. Thus, the movie was printed on a different film and shipped to cinemas with unfinished-looking effects. Hmm. This was one of the reasons behind the movie's failure, as the effects did not live up to the original hype. They were digitally corrected for the Blu-ray release in 2009. Dean, 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 Dean. It wasn't the effects. (laughs) Dean Devlin has done some serious defending of this film as this next point Mm. proves he aggressively defended the movie on internet message boards (laughs) telling the godzilla fans quote to hell with you end quote if they had a negative opinion on the film (laughs) the official godzilla message board was shut down soon after because of all the heated arguing "Mm, no we're not doing this we're not doing this years later devlin admitted to recognize the movie's faults and apologized to fans in various interviews (laughs) that's very funny the policeman scene during Godzilla's arrival in this film is the same policeman, both played by the same actor, seen suddenly leaving his patrol car in the middle of an intersection in Independence Day. Roland Emmerich is just like, shared universe with this yeah. one cop, having the worst possible series of days. It's like the, that's like that guy who only who's like a real life news reporter who only plays news reporters mm. Mm. It's like i will be in that. films but only if i can play news reporters that's mm. all i want to do that's why like uh, what's his face um uh, from die hard who just basically <laughs> he turns up in ghostbusters as a cop mm. yeah. like, hey you're a really good cop why don't you be in this die hard film as a cop <laughs> as a cop and then he got family matters i'm blanking on his name but um just one of those people that just turns up consistently. Yeah. Like, hey, it's that person. Yeah, and it's just they've been in all these he, other films as this same thing, yeah, essentially. He, he could not escape playing a cop for like twenty years. <laughs> the elevator music in the scene with Matthew Broderick escaping the baby Godzillas in Madison Square Garden is Dankerschön, which uh, Broderick lip syncs with in a memorable scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> so it was a little. It was bit nice of... watching him singing yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah, doing his. Uh, what, 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 was it singing in the rain? Singing in the rain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he was. He was, he was having a great time. Just they should have just left him to play with his worms. Yeah. They should have just left him to yeah. play with his worms. J. D. Lee's founder and editor of the Godzilla fan magazine G Fan built up an opposition to the movie and harshly criticized it in various writings during its production. The first New Yorker who gets killed by the monster in this movie is a lookalike of Lee's, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, oh. Fully intentional on the creator's part, as they wanted to get back at him. Oh my god! 
Yeah, that, that, that's a one-off in this movie. Jesus Christ. I mean, that's kind of like, did you see the article that came out recently talking about the orc in Lord of the Rings that they made look like Harvey Weinstein? Because he oh, tried to stop the films from getting made. Yeah, I heard something about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's, Elijah Wood was like, yeah, this is a thing that we did. I'm sure we can probably talk about it now because, you know, like, he's a piece of shit, <laughs> essentially. But yeah, we made an orc to look like him. Cause that's fuck a you, thing Harvey that's Weinstein. happened a few times in Hollywood. Uh, mm. Yeah. Cody Johnson does a really great episode on Some More News. The, mm. Some More News, the movie, and it goes into basically the history of pretty much Hollywood just taking the pee out of Trump. Look. People, the thing is, is that people have been doing this forever because like Michelangelo did that oh, yeah. in the Sistine Chapel. He was like, I don't like this cardinal or whoever it was. I'm going to put him in my mural and I'm going to have a snake biting his dick. Yeah. Like people are just shitheads yeah. like that. I Board love that. Vaudeville is pretty much that. I, I mean, mean, yeah, that too. Also, this film has a much greater example of that yes. with Mayor Ebert and his assistant Gene. Gene. <laughs> you know, Ebert and Siskel very, very much uh, not popular with Roland Emmerich and <laughs> funnily enough they didn't like this film that much uh, in fact one of their criticisms was that their characters didn't get killed yes. <laughs> they said it just seems like they basically said it it seems like such a weird thing to do to like have us yeah. in your movie where people are getting crushed and eaten and just sort of make weird jibes at us without killing us off mm. it was like they felt it was a bit half-hearted as like an attack on them yeah. like if you're gonna have us in here and be shitty about us then like just murder us yeah <laughs> that was and that whole mayor thing was again tonally weird yeah 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 um <laughs> although plans for a sequel um in which the surviving godzilla hatchling was to be relocated to australia fell through <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> the Japanese Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah giant monsters all-out attack, 2001, does make a reference to this planned movie in its opening scene. Oh, my God. In this scene, military men discuss a monster that attacked New York some years before. One of them asks, was it Godzilla? Only for his partner to respond that the Americans think so, but the Japanese officials believe it was a different monster. <laughs> <laughs> The shade. The, I love it. The American Godzilla, now simply known as Zilla in the Godzilla universe, also appears terrorizing Sydney in the film Godzilla Final Wars in 2004. <laughs> so, Makes sense. I mean, it's not a suspicion. So, had we had a but... sequel, Godzilla 2, Electric Boogaloo, it would have been undoubtedly that Sydney. creature, Matthew Broderick, and that creature in running Sydney. around Coffs Harbour. Like it would have been. Oh, just at the rocks. Yeah, like oh, hanging you know out at the, the perfect cameo back then. <sighs> yeah, Steve Irwin. Yeah, oh, Crikey, like, he's a big one. No. Yeah. Look at the size of this one. Oh, we gotta protect him. Yes. Australia Zoo's too far north is the problem. Yeah. I'm sure if Steve Irwin had said, "Let me be in your Godzilla film," they would have been like, "Yes, absolutely." Yeah. He would have been the only actual genuine Australian. And he would everybody have... else, <laughs> everybody else would have been like Americans with like, "Oh, Crikey!" accents going on. Just like, no, that's not. I'm imagining That's not the accent. I'm imagining that Steve Irwin and John Reno in the same film. <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm imagining they would have been best friends. Oh, oh yes. that would have been amazing! What a meeting of minds! Oh, Holy crap! Yes, I'm just, I'm just now imagining now though a Godzilla. The problem is, is that like in this film, the crap CG kind of works a little bit because you can hide it in like the endless drizzling rain and mm. the dark. Sydney in the middle of summer. Oh, no. It would be 
bad. No, would, they would have had to have done it in winter so it could have rained all the time. It doesn't rain that much in Sydney. Well, if you wanted to rain in Sydney, you'd have to, go to, you'd have to go to Melbourne. But Melbourne doesn't have enough landmarks. Like, you have to trash Sydney. Yeah. So yeah. you'd have to climb up the opera house and, like, rip up the sails. But that's yeah. the thing. We don't have big, tall... Co- It'd be like, oh, I'm doing the things. It'll be like... a big radio tower. They could have <laughs> knocked that down. Or, or they go- could go to Canberra and just knock down the War Museum. No, Parliament House. <laughs> and Parliament House. Like, that's the only two exciting things there. But you can you see everything at the top of the hill. You could on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not a suspension bridge, so you yeah. can't <laughs> trap it there. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. They'd be like, let's try the shark nets. Like, It'd be a bit, <laughs> bit too early for the bell tower, sadly. No, well, that's on the other side of the country. That's yeah. the thing, though. You just have, like, a five-second thing where it's, like, somebody's over in Perth, like, oh, what's going on in Sydney? Oh, some big monster love is just eating everyone. Oh, yeah. change the channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be what it was. Since this film underperformed and was criticised for being unfaithful to its source material, it was. <laughs> Sony, owners of Columbia and TriStar, made sure that their next property that they were adapting um, was... Something that had a director who was a fan of the material. Uh huh. That next property being Spider Man. Yes, and was so that, mm. that was the first Tobey Maguire one. Yeah, with, yep. with Sam Raimi uh, yeah. directing. Look, yeah. I just realised there about time. Yes, I was expecting. Oh god, what was the remake that was bad? And I'm going, oh, Spider Man, two thousand one. Yeah, mm. yeah. Would have taken about three years. Mm. Although the budget is estimated to have been $130 million US, if we include the famously expensive US marketing, some speculate the final number for this film was up to $170 million. Yes. Yeah. Merchandising released by the 250 business partners added approximately $150 million to the movie's overall cost. Although the picture was a mild success, raking in close to $380 million worldwide, this was much less than what the studio anticipated, and the tie-in merchandising produced disastrous sales, with one exception being the movie's highly successful soundtrack. Good yeah, on you, David Arnold. because they had the... Uh, I can't stand it. It's the um, the remix of Cashmere by Led Zeppelin with... Um, I can't remember who the artist is, but it was Jimmy Page mm. basically providing the guitars, and it's just... I can't stand that song. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. The final bit of trivia... The meter of the cab after the final chase sequence. How much do you think that chase sequence cost? $300.26. I'm going to go $426.9. The correct answer was (laughs) $95.20. Based on the rates of the side of the cab, because the rates for the cab were in this film, somebody equated and worked out exactly how far Godzilla chased that cab. Hmm? 60 miles. That's how much... They worked out and they went, he chased that cut, that taxi 60 miles around mm. Manhattan. That is a long chase. That is a very long chase. And I feel like it would only work if there were no people and no cars. Well, in, in fairness, that city yeah, they because did evacuate. They did evacuate. Yeah, most of them. Except for those two burglars who were just like, I feel like something really bad's going to happen. God, that was the worst bit of dialogue. Oh, you know how I get this feeling that sometimes something bad's going to happen? Oh. Well, I'm getting one of those feelings. Godzilla <laughs> stomps their car filled with 90s tech that they've tried to steal. Yeah, you almost probably expect them to go, ghost. Yeah, yeah, it was very Scooby-Doo. They felt like rejects from Home Alone. They, they... <laughs> they really did, didn't they? Yeah. Also. And again, one of the things about watching, we've said this while watching it, Matthew Broderick's voice in this is like a weird mix between John Mulaney and Phineas from Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> yeah, it was very distracting. It's really hard to not imagine either of those it's people. It's very hard to take this movie yeah. seriously when you're just like, I just want to imagine John Mulaney now. 
in, in a film a, like a, this. A Godzilla in a hospital? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to stab you to death with my claws. I just don't want to imagine Wonder Child Phineas ending up as the worm guy. <laughs> I mean, I could see that. Come on, Ferb. These worms are really fun. <laughs> No, I love you. Yeah. I still think the, uh, the best joke we were coming up with was all about, you know, the uh, Doofenshmirtz and... Uh... Oh, yeah, Doofenshmirtz would have been the Jean Renault character. What is this coffee? <laughs> it's French roast, sir. Look, it needs more cream. Like, yeah, it would have... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what you're telling me is that this just needs to be done, but Phineas and Ferb. Oh, yeah. Godzilla? What? Puts on the hat. Perry the Godzilla! Not gonna lie, I would watch that. Oh, I would watch that. Can somebody listen for me? Godzilla would. Yeah. Candice in the Audrey role, being like <laughs> trying to report the news. Like the boys have released a monster, and then it cuts, and the tape's been taken out of the camera, yep. and everyone's like, "Okay, Candice, we don't believe you, but I want to be a reporter." <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about how bad it is the gaslighting that goes on in producing Ferb? Mm. Maybe not in this episode. <laughs> Maybe not in this episode, but yes, you are correct. Yes. You anyway, correct. Godzilla, 1998. We've talked about like 20 other things instead of the film. I think that yeah, is just a testament to what this film is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is not. It is time to review this film. Oh boy. They mean right? Yes. It is time to rate this film. Okay. Ellen, you get to go first because it was your first time watching Godzilla 1998, what would you give it out of 10? Okay, well, I'm going to partially have to base this on the fact that we watched The Descent recently and I hated that and I gave it three Um, because it gave me nightmares. Um, I was a bit worried about the subterranean scenes in this. No, 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 that's fine. No, no, that's fine. Just in case you were wondering, there was going to be a little like buff golem crawling out of the... Oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, I was thinking like maybe around a four, but like I enjoyed this a lot more than that. So I'm going to have to go for five. Why do all these people have perms? It's the late nineties. What is happening out of 10? That's a great question. Uh, Simon, what about yourself? No, I think as soon as you said four, my brain is thinking four, but caveat. I know this isn't unofficial, but this is a movie that's good with the right audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the first time I watched it, we were expecting you know, Godzilla. We didn't get Godzilla. Coming into this, listening to the, the riffing that was going on, bumped it up. Uh, maybe two, maybe it's close to a six, but it is a it is a four film. Yeah, right now. I think it's a four film, but like the enjoyment of it has bumped it up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for for uh, suspiciously uh, changing of cameras halfway through an action scene. So, because uh, that was the thing I was going to bring up. There's a moment where, um, like uh, Hank Azaria's character, he gets a camera. Which, uh, which a big, which is a you know, big movie camera like has the VHS tape mm. cartridges. He packs one of them away, gets to the stadium, and all of a sudden he's got a very tiny miniature one with yeah. a big lens that gets destroyed. He does pull out the same camera that we get later on, mm. Uh, mm. but it's just that thing like, oh, why, why did the camera change? It's almost as though it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Somebody wasn't getting paid enough for continuity. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's a nice camera. I was just like, ooh. Yeah. For yeah. me, I had a good time watching it, but that's not being factored into my score. Um, it it <laughs> no, is... It was factored into mine. Yeah, it is... Um, 
you know what? You are absolutely right, though. It is, it is a fun film to watch with friends and go, oh, my God, look how bad this film is. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, th- there are enjoyable moments. Joe on the pier, wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, other, other little moments. Where's the Where's the sample? You're standing in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or you know, uh, asexual. Where's the fun in that? Like you know, all all, all the like mm. weird <sighs> bad lines in this film. Uh, you know what? Ha- Harry Shearer playing a, a creepy news anchor. Mm? Why don't you have dinner with me? But you're married. Yeah, but you could still have dinner with me. Oh no, oh. dude, no, yeah. ew. Like like he nailed that. He he did that role like, really well. <laughs> but it's just a bad film. It is yeah. a bad. It, film. it is a real. It it smells. It stinks about as much as the pile of fish that they use to attract uh, Zilla himself. Which probably mm. smells marginally better than a New York sewer. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Probably smells like the New York docks. Yeah. So I'm going to give it... Uh, I'm going to give it three and a half sticks of gum out of ten. <laughs> it because makes us, it that, makes that us was look gem. more American. That was so funny. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, the dubbing on that was... It was very bad. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, Simon and Ellen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thanks for for picking this film, Simon. I had a blast on this one. I I am (laughs) deeply glad that you had a a fun time because, again, this is one of those movies that's almost notorious for bad. And I said, context is king in this Mm. regard. No, this this was a hot mess of garbage and I loved it. Mm. Uh, Simon. You're a member of our Patreon. Yes. Uh, we don't talk about this very often on the program, but uh, anyone can be a member of the Patreon. Yes, they can. Even panellists on this show. Exactly. So, it's almost like I bought my way in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you did. Uh, but w- <laughs> guess what? It worked. Uh, yes. Simon, where can people go if they want to join this Patreon and get some extra bonus goodies? I think you'd have to Google the YouTubes and look for Thought Jar Productions mm-hmm. on Patreon. Uh, check out Facebook and... Uh, your, your regular podcasting things. I can't remember what your podcast service are, but I'm guessing you'd be on like Spotify and all the type of things. You know what? Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, we are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, anywhere you can get podcasts, basically. Yeah. Uh, and the Patreon, um, there's a handy dandy web address, patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. <gasps> You go there, you join up, you get bonus stuff. Mm. Uh, and of course, we are on various social medias. Uh, the Cinema Catch-Up Club has a Facebook page. If you go there and like the page, you can see all these bonus goodies. You can see when films are up for vote. This mm. was an audience choice film. Thank if you're you, like, <laughs> Yeah, if you're there going, what, they watch Godzilla? How do I stop this happening again? Well, vote. We've already watched it, so yeah. we can't watch it well, again now. Yes, there is that. But also, <laughs> vote. You can vote for the films you like uh, when they pop up. And I'm... I'm going to tell you now, November's film poll is a real doozy. But uh, you'll have to go to our Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook to see that. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.